Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. Francis Ford Coppola, director of the Godfather trilogy and Apocalypse Now, has kept a pretty low profile over the past 20 years or so, but he's back in the news doing something akin to publicity because early this year, at some undisclosed point, he will, at the age of 84, be releasing a new movie, something he wrote and directed, something he's been thinking about for decades. The movie is called Megalopolis, it's got an all-star cast and the details of the story are still kind of vague. Coppola has described it as a modern civilization with vestiges of ancient Rome. He's described it as a love story, as the most ambitious project of his career. I'm not really sure what to make of it and I'm not really that interested. The only thing that keeps catching my attention whenever it passes my newsfeed and the reason I keep clicking on these articles about it is the fact that every article about the movie is mentioning in the lead, if not in the headline, the fact that Coppola financed this $120 million movie out of his own pocket. And the reason he was able to do that is because Francis Ford Coppola, low-key, is a billionaire because of the Coppola Winery, which releases wines in the $15 to $20 range. You've probably seen them at CVS and Walgreens. They've got his name very large and ostentatious on the bottle. If I remember correctly, from a profile that was either in Forbes or Vanity Fair, like five or six years ago, he has an estimated net worth of about $3.2 billion. And for some reason, I always do a double take when I learn that someone is a billionaire, but only when I learn belatedly. It does not always bother me to learn that someone is a billionaire. It bother I think the reason it bothers me is if the news comes outside of two very strict parameters. Number one, being rich is what the person was always known for. So Bill Gates, for instance, or Warren Buffett, or Elon Musk, or Mark Zuckerberg. These people are not particularly funny. They're world famous, but they're not particularly gifted. In most cases, they are pointedly unappealing, but the culture appreciates them explicitly for their wealth. When they appear in a headline, the headline begins, Billionaire Mark Zuckerberg, or Billionaire Jeff Bezos. We have agreed, as a culture, that they don't have billions of dollars, they are their billions of dollars. Reason number two, I'm never bothered to learn of someone's billionaire status if they have just achieved it. So Rihanna, Taylor Swift, Michael Jordan, Jay-Z. I was there and I saw newscasters, the, the, the bringers of information, come through the TV and say, Alex, I'm telling you, at the same time I'm telling everyone else, another person, another American, has become as powerful as a god. But for some reason, whenever I stumble upon the knowledge that someone is a billionaire, like I did with Coppola, like I, I did with Steven Spielberg, it always kind of jars me. I don't know, I don't want to say it's explicitly frustrating, but it does kind of put me on edge. Like, like with Edward Norton. Did you know that Edward Norton's grandfather invented shopping malls? Google it. Edward Norton's grandfather invented the shopping mall, which means naturally that Edward Norton is mind-fuckingly wealthy, except he's not a billionaire. But 
Did you feel it just then, what I'm talking about? Like, when you thought you were about to learn that Edward Norton has been a billionaire all this time, didn't you feel a little played? Julie Louis-Dreyfus is a billionaire. She played um, Elaine on Seinfeld, and she was the star of Veep. But the difference about Julie Louis-Dreyfus being a billionaire is that she deserves it. The writer friend Leibowitz, who famously said that there there is no such thing as earning a billion dollars, you can only steal a billion dollars, she would likely suggest that the reason I feel so scandalized to learn that someone is a billionaire is because a billion dollars is a scandalous amount of money. More money than any person on earth, for any, for any reason, should be allowed to have. And I do understand that argument. On the other hand, Jeff Bezos, who along with the cocaine-chewing, bare-knuckle, street-fighting YouTube sensation Kimbo Slice is maybe the most popular alumnus of my high school, Miami Palmetto Senior High. Bezos gave an interview somewhere, I forget where. He wasn't explicitly trying to defend his own wealth in this interview, which is a, his wealth is about $170 billion. But he says in the interview, uh, when he's challenged on you know how big Amazon has grown and the fact that it has sort of given birth to his current major company, Blue Origin, which is devoted to space travel. He said that just like the telephone provided an infrastructure for businesses to grow, and radio provided an infrastructure for businesses to grow and for society to move forward, that is what he feels the sprawl of Amazon is doing for the market, and, and the same is going to happen for Blue Origin. Bezos is arguing, basically, that yes, there are these behemoths in society, the, these things that are problematically huge, but, to quote Einstein, these are the giants on whose shoulders the next generation of innovators will be able to stand. I don't think that his argument totally stands up to a, a scrupulous challenge. The argument that Amazon is a marketplace where thousands of companies are able to sustain themselves, that doesn't really explain why it shouldn't be broken up into smaller companies, just so that there isn't one economy dominating behemoth. The, the fact that I paused to even listen to his argument, his argument that there need to be these structures and implicitly these individuals who wield an unconscionable amount of power and authority over the market because that allows their wealth to trickle down, whatever. The fact that I'm even engaging the argument kind of revealed something to me about myself in the same way that sort of dwelling on the Coppola wealth revealed something to me about myself, which is that I, I do feel this impulse where, like, I want to hear the billionaire explain himself. I want to play that role, if only in my mind, of, like, the person to whom he is submitting an argument as to why he deserves to be so rich. What's shady about that impulse to, like, want to field the explanations of a billionaire, however, is that when you stretch that inquisitive taffy, uh, there, there's an ugly underbelly to the question of how did you earn your money? It's a way more sordid question, really, than anybody wants to ask outright, which is explain to me why you deserve that money. Because implicit in the question of who deserves an inherently unjustifiable amount of money is the suggestion that there are some people who are above justifiable behavior. I mentioned a moment ago, jokingly, kind of, that, that Julia Louis-Dreyfus deserves her billions. But I was only kind of joking because I really do feel at ease with someone like her having $4 billion in the same way that I feel at ease with Beyonce or Oprah or Michael Jordan having that much money. And when I ask myself why, when I probe that contentment, I, I think the reason I'm cool with it is because I can see, or I believe I can see in them, I don't know, who the fuck knows. But what I believe I can see in these people is 
contentment. I see a person who's comfortable in their skin, someone who feels validated, who knows their worth, who isn't going to use that money as a way to sort of inflate their ego. Because when a thin-skinned person has billions of dollars and they're trying to build their self-esteem with it, they're only going to spend so much money on acquiring things to build their image before they realize like it's way easier to just use that money to destroy someone else's. Like imagine giving a billion dollars to, to a guy who, for instance, is like in his late 70s and he's always been rich. Um, and he takes his permanent residence in like what is supposed to be a temporary golfing resort and he like he spray tans his face but only his face and he'll send out tweets like Merry Christmas everybody even the haters if such a person existed someone that vain and vindictive and insecure I have a feeling that a couple billion dollars at his disposal would be kind of dangerous like literally nobody would benefit from that dude's wealth except him but of how many people when I ask myself, like, how many people do I really think are that vain, that insecure, that they would end up, like, weaponizing billions of dollars? It's not that many people. So then, I like, by extension, why am I then bothered to be surprised at learning that someone is a billionaire? And I guess the answer is just, like, pettiness. Yes, it is striking and impressive and ballsy that Francis Ford Coppola spent $120 million of his $3 billion net worth to develop a, you know, a passion project without the Hollywood studios breathing down his neck and making demands. It's impressive, it's ballsy, but it's not remarkable. I mean, certainly it's not remarkable when you look at it as a percentage. When instead of saying, Francis Ford Coppola staked $120 million to make his own movie, you, you rephrase it to say that Francis Ford Coppola spent 4% of his $3 billion net worth to make a multi-million dollar movie with an all-star cast. It's less impressive when you put it that way. I spend 4% of my net worth every time I buy a soda. So it's cool, I dig the chutzpah, but I wouldn't say that it's impressive. The only, really the only impressive thing you can do with a billion dollars is lose it, or better yet, you can give it away.